Before we get started on today's Mortcast on CSG Podcast, I'd like to tell you about Blanchard Family Wines, located in the Dairy Block between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in lower downtown Denver. Basically right in the dead, like, basic center of Dairy Block. Um, They've been open since late 2018, and uh, they have been providing a a great wine tasting experience. So think of a Napa Valley wine tasting experience in Denver. Um, It is a good... uh, I I was there about two, three weeks ago, and I had a great experience myself. It was was nice to go in, sit down, experience the atmosphere, and experience just great wine. Uh, They have their own vineyard in... uh, uh, the Russian River Valley in California, and uh, of course there they create Pinot Noir. And if you like Pinot Noir, or if you even like a couple of blends, like there was a there was a Cabernet uh, blend that they had that I tried that was very good. Um, they'll also uh, pair your wines with charcuterie, which is basically a meat and cheese combination with uh, maybe some uh, olives and stuff like that. It's just a great experience and a great overall. Uh, vibe uh, and that you don't get a lot of in Denver. Uh, they are Blanchard Family Wines. They are, they are on Instagram and they are on Facebook under Blanchard Family Wines. Be sure and check them out uh, and go to Blanchard Family Wines, which is located in the Dairy Block between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee uh, in lower downtown Denver. Tell them Jeff Morton sent you. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, today, I'm kind of, I, I actually have two podcast ideas, and I'm going to save the other one for the next one I record in a couple days. Uh, but right now, we want to talk about, there has been a lot of rumblings about what the Nuggets will do in free agency, and I, I think that there has been a misunderstanding of what the Nuggets can do, and specifically not in relation to them or any other cap situation or anything like that. I'm talking about what the Nuggets can do as a team that has just been in one playoff series in six years. Um, I'll be frank, the Nuggets have a deficit of of certain aspects that they're going to need to advance on before major free agents will consider Denver a a viable destination. Um, Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, the fact that Denver is Denver, um, that uh, is part of the problem. Um, It's just not a destination and I think that is factored into the decision-making with a lot of free agents, uh, specifically big-name ones. And we got to keep in mind, a lot of people who hit unrestricted free agency, they hit it right at year number eight, um, seven or eight. And by that point, you have put your time in with a team, often a team that you may not want to stay with, and you're looking to explore your options and the glitz and glamour of wherever you want to be, a big market or you know what have you, is out there. Uh, Denver, as much as we love it, it does not figure into that. It's just the fact of life. I think people need to not get offended at this anymore. It is what it is. Um, but I don't think it is the overriding concern like it was, say, in the 2000s. 
Um, I think it's a lot of it has changed. Uh, more and more players are looking more for winning, and I think that that will factor into things as time goes on. But the main reason the, um, the Nuggets are at a deficit is because of two things. First and foremost, the Nuggets have one year of winning. You know, they've had winning records uh, the last two seasons, three seasons. Um, excuse me, they've had a winning record the last two seasons. Um, but they have not established a culture of playoff appearances yet. Um, and I said when it, in one winning season, I shouldn't say that, one playoff season in uh, six years. And I think... If we're all honest with ourselves, the Nuggets' lack of playoff experience after one and coming after one year where they win 54 games is great. But by and large, most players in the NBA aren't familiar with the Denver Nuggets. Still, um, it is a it is a situation where you need to be a. I mean, the Nuggets were barely on national TV. Uh, two years ago, and they were on more last year, but a lot of the games were 8.30 games where, you know, let's face it, not everyone is up at that time. they got other things to do. It's not, it's just they, their presence, their national footprint, particularly with players in the NBA, isn't huge. And the Nuggets are going to need to make multiple playoff appearances and establish that winning uh, culture um, that includes the playoffs before big name free agents will consider it. Um, it is just a fact of life. Part two is the Nuggets um, tr- have a deficit in terms of practice facility and uh, they don't have a G League team. And, you know, you wouldn't think that that would be a big deal, but it is. Um, the Nuggets have a, are in a practice facility that is 20 years old, um, as when you know the same age as the arena. Um, it is among the smallest in the NBA, uh, if not the smallest. Um, it is in the arena. It's not a dedicated practice facility. It is a. It is a. Uh, it's a practice facility of convenience. It's very convenient. It's in the arena. It's right above the locker rooms. It is a it is a place that is very convenient to access, but it's not very big. Uh, when it was built in 1999, it was different. The Nuggets it was a state of the art facility with its dedicated practice court inside. I mean, the Nuggets when they were at McNichols used to have to go uh, to a complete miles and miles away in order to practice. Um, so that was in 1999. That was much better. In 2019, unfortunately for the Denver Nuggets, the lack of a dedicated practice facility is a deficit that they definitely have. Now, I mentioned the G League team. That doesn't affect free agents. But it comes along with the perception that the Nuggets are not progressing with the times. Um, And I think we can all acknowledge that the Nuggets are way behind when it comes to certain things. And not having a G League team, one of two or three teams that do not have a G League team in the NBA. They're all. Um, the Nuggets have uh, 
some just trail, I should say. They trail in certain areas that, and I think that I will, I will, I will say that it's more about proving that you are part of where the NBA is right now. And in a lot of ways, the Nuggets are behind. And specifically the practice facility, uh, I do know for a fact NBA players pay attention to having those. And the sooner the Nuggets are able to get one or find one or have a place where they can go that is dedicated to this sort of thing, the better off they will be. Also, uh, and this is going to maybe upset the apple cart a little, but I'll I'll put things this way. A couple years ago, I was talking to a player, um, and it was in the doldrums when the Nuggets weren't doing well. And there was maybe 2,000 people in the arena. Now, from a logical perspective... You know, pricing, blah, blah, blah. It's just like if, you, if, if a team is dog shit, you don't want to spend your money on it. Okay? Obviously, that's the case. But the, for some reason, Pepsi Center, even when uh, there were like 10,000 fans in there, it was dead. And it was just, there was no vibe, no atmosphere. And that carried on for a long time. And the reputation of... Denver fans was is is one that is not great, um, and that carried in through the playoffs this year, where multiple games were not sold out. Um, they are listed as it, but you know, let's face it, there were a couple times where I looked and I saw at least five hundred to a thousand empty seats in the arena, and that was that was something that players do notice. A pot particularly. Uh, players on other teams and I think in order to and I'm, this is not the bag on Denver okay this is just when you come from a situation where you have been in a losing situation you haven't made the playoffs in six years and you finally make it, it the, the fan interest always trails fan interest trails success um, just like unemployment trails economy success it's the same exact principle with uh, fans coming back to the arena is that it takes a while for the people to come back now we, we have been talking about the in arena vibe and I in the last podcast I talked about how the nuggets can improve that um, like don't shout at people uh, get you know don't treat people like idiots and make them make sure you know people have a good time but you know don't make don't make you know, don't let them be uh, patronized to, which is a lot of what that shouting comes across as, is it's patronizing. But, from the fan perspective, this next year is going to be big. Um, and I think there is a, there is a, the fans need to prove that they are coming back. Um the Avalanche had no trouble selling out games, um, but they have fifteen hundred to about fifteen to sixteen hundred less seats uh, in in that uh, their uh, uh, to, to fill them because the 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 rink takes up more, so they don't have to fill almost twenty thousand seats like the Nuggets do. Um, but they have a culture that goes back to 
fucking, you know, 1995 of a fed dedicated fan base that has been catered to. Um, and the Nuggets history, as we all know, has been a lot more spotty. And uh, it's, it's going to take a significant amount of time for the Nuggets to build up the dedication, the core. The core of the Nuggets fan base is really small. Um, but what what's the Nuggets are going to have to do is understand that they're at a deficit there and understand that, um, and players looking up into the, like when we're talking about free agents, I, I, you know, the, the, they do pay attention to that. One of the big selling points of uh, Golden State was fan support. Um, the, when uh, the week, they call them the We Believe um Golden State Warriors of 2007. They are the ones that um, set kind of the reputation of fans in Golden State. Um, They were still largely blue-collar back then, before they had priced themselves out, which seems to be the the habit of most NBA arenas, including Denver. Um, But they set forth at that point a reputation of being rabid and into it and loud and being able to lift up their teams. That was a major selling point. Unfortunately for the Nuggets, they just, it's just not there. Uh, aside from Game 7 <clears throat> in the first round, um, the crowds were okay. I mean, I'm not going to bag on them, but uh, the lack of sellouts and sometimes the apathy comes forward, and in order for the Nuggets to change that, they're going to need to be successful, Continue that success for a while. Prove to people that you are successful so the fans come back. And so players can come in and say, okay, this is a place where the fans will support you. Um, Before people say they need to lower the prices, i got to tell you guys, that is a lazy, lazy, lazy take. Um, The economics of basketball are not such to where prices go down. They go up. Um, it is not, I mean, everyone knows this. Yes, they are not affordable and I would, but uh, honestly, you could find cheap tickets on StubHub. It's just, it, I never got the complaint with that. I mean, obviously it is easy for me to say as someone who is credentialed, but it it is a, it is a, it is not an argument that I buy considering that's not the way things go. They don't wholesale reduce prices. And quite frankly, a lot of the ticket pricing is set by the NBA. So a lot of that has to do with that. So, but anyway, that, that points aside. Um, the Nuggets have a deficit and they need to, and what basically what this whole podcast is telling you is that the Nuggets need to establish themselves as a successful team for more than one season in order for this to translate into um, free agent success. Because no player is going to buy into a one-year wonder in their mind. And unfortunately for the Nuggets, this means that they have to uh, ride with those who brung them. And that's why maybe they are over-relying on the back of Michael Porter Williams at the moment um, 
because you know they're going to treat him with kid gloves. But the the they've there's been there's been a significant amount of hype associated with his return, and some of it seems to me like it's selling. But if he legitimately looks that great, great, great. But inevitably, you know that he is going to be getting 10 to 15 minutes a game to start. He won't be much of a factor in whether the Nuggets are able to succeed next year. It'll be largely the same team with the same roster. And uh, in my view, unless the Nuggets make a marginal signing of of a veteran, that's where the Nuggets are going to be. And I would not be surprised if the Nuggets brought back Paul Millsap at $30 million. Uh, that would not surprise me in the slightest. Um, it is one year at $30 million, and then he's unrestricted after that. There's no options. Um, so it may be simpler for the Nuggets to understand where they're at as far as with free agents and then go from there and uh, understand where they are with that, bring back the team that won 54 games, and say, we're going to do this now, and we're going to trust that this team uh, can still compete in an increasingly more difficult Western Conference. Um, So then, if the Nuggets are able to prove that they are able to not be a one-year wonder as far as the playoffs go, um, and they've established that success, then the building blocks can happen. And I really do think next year is crucial. It will be absolutely crucial to what the Nuggets hopefully are able to do. All right, well, thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast on CSG. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, I will be talking to you in a couple of days. Goodbye.